Welcome to another bonus episode of the Tech Meme Ride Home, another portfolio profile episode. We're going to talk about another great company that the Ride Home Fund has invested in. We're going to talk about Open Access today, which you can find out more about by going to openaccess.com. And we're going to talk to the founder of Open Access, Alex Damianu. Alex, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Brian. All right, Alex, let's do super simple right up top. What is Open Access? What are you doing? Awesome. Yeah, Open Access is a data storytelling platform. We want to simplify and democratize the entire data storytelling process. So anyone, you know, regardless of their technical ability, can tell stories with data. So you can easily visualize, share, and collaborate. And in doing so, we want to create a sort of community of data explorers and storytellers that can crowdsource insights and, and work collectively. Um, with second-order effects of increasing data transparency, data literacy, um, and all that fun stuff. So, super dumb and simple, forgive me, but essentially, you're a tool to help people make graphs, uh, basically explain ideas beyond words, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's one part of it. So, when you break down data storytelling, it's actually kind of a long process. You have to find the data then clean the data, then visualize it or create a chart, and then perhaps sharing and collaborating. So um, we do those three things. We help you create a chart very easily, right? So very simple, simpler than Excel or Tableau or any complicated tool that's out there. But we also help you find data, clean data that other people might have already um, sort of uploaded in the community that you can build upon each other's work. So simple data creator plus sort of data repository plus collaboration tools um, equals open access. Sort of like a, a, a GitHub for finding and putting together the data, sort of like you would find and put together your code, right? Exactly, absolutely, and within the community, because, I mean, I wouldn't go into it, but we realized that, you know, when we try to solve the data visualization problem, people were like, okay, well, where did I find the data or how do I clean it? That's actually harder than me actually creating a simple chart. So slowly over time, we realized we have to actually um, condense the entire data, data storytelling process um, and not just solve one part of it. Um, well, before we get into the details about that, um, tell me about your background, um, your entrepreneurial background, your your career, that sort of thing. What what led you to to this idea, basically? Yeah, uh, absolutely, good question. Because I've never done this before. <laughs> it's my first tech startup. Um, so uh, the the genesis is is actually 2020. Um, so you know the zeitgeist of the year was like no shared base of facts, elections, misinformation. Um, so that was one issue that kind of indicated to me that okay, we kind of have an issue with data literacy and transparency uh, in society. And and the second thing was my last job. I was uh, the national policy director for um, Andrew Yang's 2020 presidential campaign. Um, if you remember the, the guy with the math hat, very data driven uh, ethos. Um, I also never was in a presidential campaign. There's a story behind that if you want me to get into it. But um, yeah, give, give me that real quick because uh, yeah. I feel like everybody fell backwards accidentally into that campaign. Maybe maybe Yang himself as well. Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, then I'll, I'll take two steps back for context really quickly. Um, political economist. Um, I worked in the United Nations for a bit. I spent five years abroad in Africa and the Middle East. Uh, I was in South Africa, Ghana, Kenya, Abu Dhabi, and Saudi Arabia. Um, mostly conduct, conducting economic research and consulting governments to help them improve foreign direct investment. Um, I came back to the US. I started my own macroeconomic and geopolitical research firm, mostly selling research to hedge funds that wanted to kind of understand how the world works and then how it impacts um, the markets. Really cool work. 
terrible outcome and input because they're just working in the markets. So that was really like disillusioning. And I was like, well, what can I do next? You know, because my career so far has been looking at like the social contract of government, private sector and civil society and how they work together to kind of just advance um, their nations. And I never really pulled the government lever. And here comes this guy, Andrew Yang, who's like running for president. He's an entrepreneur. He's not ideological, data-driven. And I thought it was really compelling. Like someone, I think, sent me an Instagram video of him. And I really just started like watching a lot of his videos. I read his books, Smart People Should Build Things, which I think uh, every entrepreneur should read. I think it's awesome. Um, and um, The War on Normal People. And I uh, got really into it. I donated for the first time. I never donated to a candidate before. And um, I decided to show up to one of his fundraisers in, in Dumbo, Brooklyn. Um, I didn't know anybody, by the way, I just showed up. Um, and I met him and his team. And it was clear that they had never done it before either. <laughs> um, and um, we chatted and then, uh, we're leaving at the same time. And then um, Andrew's uh, Uber arrives before mine. And he kind of remembers me and my name. He's like, hey, Alex, where are you going? And I said, uh, Midtown. And he said, oh, me too, hop in. <laughs> so now I have like this exclusive 20 minute Uber ride with Andrew Yang and it was, it was awesome. You know, we just chatted about ourselves, our lives, why we make the decisions we make. Um, and then I kind of just pitched myself and said, hey, like I'm a political economist. I, I'd love to help you out any way I can. Um, you have great ideas on domestic policy, you know, human-centered capitalism, universal basic income. Your foreign policy is kind of light. Let me help you out uh, for free. And um, he's like, okay, cool, because we don't have that much money. I think this was like before the first debate. And um, and I met with his team the following week, uh, but I was so excited, Brian, to help him out and show value that um, I put together two decks, two 50 slide decks, just full of data and charts, just using data to tell a story about the country, unsolicited, he didn't ask me for it. Um, and it seemed to pay off because after like, a meeting or two, I was offered a job that I didn't really know existed, which was to be the national policy director for the entire campaign. Um, and so for the last five or six months of the campaign, I, I worked on that and um, it was an awesome experience to uh, try to craft policy through a data-driven lens and apply like entrepreneurial frameworks, you know, like sprints around, you know, how we, how we uh, create data-driven policy. And it was a really awesome experience. Um, and that led me to, to realize we'll, we'll have open access. So I can tell you two things that kind of happened in the campaign yeah. that led me to want to um, do something about it. Um, one is it's really hard to tell stories of data and collaborate, even when you're the data-driven candidate. You know, we would get data from think tanks and academics, you know, pushing their kind of policies. And it was so messy. I'd get like version eight or nine and ten. Um, and then I'll get an email, and then I would get, you know, some other form. And it was just very sloppy and messy to collaborate. That was one thing. The second thing within the campaign, which you know, I would argue is akin to a, a small business, um, was across departments they struggled to use data for their work. So for example, the fundraising team could barely use Excel, let alone Tableau that the CTO was pushing on them. Um, you know, the, the voter outreach team didn't really know how to use anything. So um, the data team became a bottleneck. We became a bottleneck because no one could use existing tools because they were too complicated. We couldn't collaborate with others. Um, and as a result, we were kind of limited in our ability to pump out um, policies. That was the one internally. Externally, something that was actually happening was, I think, kind of cool was um, the Yang Gang, as they're called, um, our ardent supporters, would actually take the data from our policies, like universal basic income, and they would go on the, the subreddit, the Yang for President subreddit, and create their own charts. They were actually creating like a de facto community where they were collaborating. It's like, oh, what about this data set? What about that chart? 
um, to the point that I was actually checking what they would come up with often because we had a small team and they were a really helpful resource. So I thought, you know, why can't we have a community where people collaborate around data um, and kind of crowdsource insights? Because that was that was brilliant. Um, and then, yeah, the campaign ended. We lost very badly. <laughs> and um, I wanted to, I, I wasn't really too keen on like continuing the government path. I did help out the Biden administration, administration campaign a bit. Um, but I did want to figure out a way to use sort of tech to solve this because we met a lot of tech people in the campaign. This is also a new world for me. Like a lot of our supporters were, you know, from Silicon Valley and I kind of opened my eyes up to all the problems they were solving with tech. And I thought it was really cool. Um, so I, like, uh, I applied to this, um, uh, uh, what do you call it? one of those, um, uh, startup generators. Yeah. Yeah. Accelerators where they would just bring in, um, uh, founders and kind of matchmake. Um, so I came in as it was called Antler in New York and I was, um, coming in as a business founder and there's some technical founders and then they'll see if you can find some founding team and come up with an idea. So I went to that and it's during the pandemic. So everyone's at home anyway. So you, there's really a lot of upside to just trying this. Um, and it was, it was really a problem that I wanted to solve. So I met my two co-founders there, essentially Patrick, who's a, a data scientist and a full stack developer. He was at Via Transportation and also the Federal Reserve Bank. And he said, yeah, even as a data scientist at Via, we were a bottleneck for the marketing team, the comms team, customer success that kept coming to us to help. Um, and we were always very slow to help them out because they couldn't use any of the existing tools. Then I met um, Andrew, um, who is a product developer designer, and he was at Microsoft. Um, he was also a former management consultant. He's a Harvard Stanford guy. You got to have one of those. Um, and he said, yeah, even though we were kind of pros at it, it's still you know, a pain in the ass to do it within an enterprise if you're not in a technical department. So we said, okay, is there a way for us to simplify data storytelling, right? People fundamentally want to understand. They want to understand themselves, their work, the world. And from my experience, at least, data is fundamental to that truth and is a driver of progress. But, you know, it's a little bit intimidating. People, you know, are not that data literate. Um, it's hard to be data transparent and just existing tools from our experience are just too complicated. So like, all right, how do we, how do we, um, you know, democratize it? Um, and uh, we came up with a prototype sort of thing where it was a simple database tool. We're like, okay, what's a, what's the biggest problem? I think creating charts is a hard problem. Um, Tableau is too complicated. Um, I don't use R or Python. Um, so we did that. <clears throat> and um, we got into Techstars with this idea very quickly, which is awesome, kind of validated, at least this is a problem that, that enterprises have. And, um, and we did some customer discovery and we talked to a lot of marketing and comms teams and they said, yeah, you know, we're expected to use data for work, but we struggle with tools. The data team's a bottleneck. In fact, sometimes they weaponize data that we can't, you know, use. So like, it, it's kind of like a last mile problem within the enterprise. Like, you know, we, we need the tools to be able to do the work ourselves. Um, so we said, awesome. Um, but we learned that enterprise sales is a long cycle and the CTO and data teams will basically say, there's no problem at all. What are you talking about? We don't need whatever you're selling, even though the marketing comp teams are kind of like crying in the corner. Um, so we said, okay, we're not really going to survive, but we try to go direct to enterprise. Is there like another use case here? Um, and then a trend was sort of happening where, because a lot of these marketing comps, people were kind of former journalists and they would say, you should actually look into the media industry. They might, they might have this use case. And we realized that there were a lot of um, journalists leaving their big media companies to start their own sub stacks and go independent. 
And we said, okay, well, if they're going alone, they probably want a team anymore to help them research. They probably not making their own charts. They probably want to have something branded. So let's let's talk to them and see if there's, if there's a use case. Um, and we did, and it was great. Everyone's, everyone said, yes, I need help. I barely use Excel. I usually just aggregate a bunch of research and do screenshots, and it just doesn't look good for my subsec and the brand I'm trying to build. So if you can solve the two problems of one, helping me find clean data fast, and two, help me create a simple chart, then I will absolutely use you. Um, and we realized that they're a really cool go-to-market strategy for us because uh, they become like a, like a cash flow positive marketing channel, right? If they create uh, charts on our platform and they send it out to their audiences, it creates a lot of impressions, right? Um, and that creates feedback loops and user-generated content and network effects, and that will drive signups. So this is sort of like our go-to-market theory. We did some tests. And yeah, it was about like 5,000 like, uh, impressions per sign-up, which is great because a lot of our sub-stackers on our beta whale list now are, have millions uh, aggregated together in terms of uh, subscribers. So, um, so, okay, cool. I think we have our go-to-market. We're going to use writers and journalists, um, cash flow positive marketing channel, and it'll help us get content on the platform. Um, and then eventually we can kind of be like a Trojan horse into the enterprise. What's called, what do they call it? Um, the bottom-up approach. Um, similar to TradingView did it, Slack did it, GitHub did it, where you kind of consumerize a product, get a bunch of users under a freemium model, and you can start converting them into paying users, and then eventually an enterprise will drag it in uh, because everyone will start using it and say, why don't we just get an enterprise um, subscription? So that's that's been the model and the plan, and we've just started um, executing it uh, after we raised our round. And um, I mean, I can keep going. Do you want me to tell you how it's gone so far? Well, so to... To contextualize it, yeah, essentially where we are right now is um, some of these uh, substackers that are in your beta. If you're reading their substacks, you're going to see you know charts and data that they have used your platform to put together. And using the YouTube model of the embed, uh, that's as you're saying, hopefully going to you know spread virally and naturally as as these things do. And so hopefully um, it'll clue other people into um, open access as as a tool to do that um but um we're, we're right now this month at the at the beginning of that stage right so um some of these sub stackers are sort of uh coming out of the closet as it were with open access yeah absolutely we're finally getting into onboard um and it's been pretty exciting so far so um when you do actually create a chart in open access um which this and this enables a lot of the feedback loops is there, there's always a backlink. So readers can actually click on it, they can access the data, they can comment, like, and they can actually create a chart on top of uh, the work of the author. So for the author, it's a cool way to, to use this as a distribution channel for their content, but it's also a cool way for them to get um, engagement with their readers beyond them just like liking it um, or commenting on it. So that's right, and and you you mentioned the collab collaboration and the the community aspect as well. So that again, if you're somebody that is trafficking in ideas. And trafficking in research, um, it's this is also a, a tool not only to help you do that, but then to sort of crowdsource the the sort of idea uh, collection and generation and and correction even, basically. Absolutely, yeah, and and it's a place where you can actually find what other people worked on and build upon their work. And that was a big realization for us talking to writers. A lot of them when they say, okay, I'm going to write about this, but I actually don't know where to start. Can I just browse your platform and see what people have come up with? So we realized that we had 
almost like a, a what's called the what do they call the cold start problem where it's like okay writers want to come in and produce content but they actually already want to have content on it and then from the reader side they just want to consume the content so we realized that, oh my god we're, are we turning into like a social media platform for data and charts this, this is kind of interesting um because the, the biggest benefit for them would be uh, i would love to just build upon other people's work and, and see what they have instead of like starting from scratch because that's a problem now with existing database tools is you're in a silo like there's it's up to you to figure out what the insight is you want to draw and how to, how to do that but with open access you can just search you know wealth or unemployment and you can say okay there's 20 data sets you know this data set has 13 charts on it oh this is a really cool expert on the topic and it kind of leads you to their to their content or their substack whatever it is um, and it's just a cool way like you said to to crowdsource insights and that's like the real kind of benefit that we realize that we're creating with this community where you can you can collaborate and build upon other people's work. Um, so that's what we've been doing with these Substack writers now. Um, we've been really narrowing that that category, and we realized that um, we actually narrow it even more <laughs> because there's still so many industries, right? Like, is it economic data? Is it political data? Climate? So now we've narrowed it even further to just writers who focus on economic data and politics, um, and uh, it's been going pretty cool so far because. Over time, as as they upload these data sets, you're indirectly providing clean data for other people to build upon, and you're actually creating uh, a source of truth. We're kind of becoming the hub for economic data or the hub for political data, and that's going to be a cool way to you know um, launch into other industries going forward. Um, so yeah, that's what we're working on now: uh, building a simple chart creator that you can customize, giving collaboration tools for people to kind of like remix data sets and charts the same way you would remix like an Instagram. Um, which I think is really fun and, um, and yeah, seeing sort of where it goes. Um, but I'm pretty excited about it because I just want to see what people come up with. I'm, you know, even with, with COVID-19, um, like that was probably the only time in history where so many eyeballs are looking at the same data. And, and what happened? Like random people came up with really cool insights. I don't know if anyone saw like Thomas Cuello's Hammer and Dance article. Also, Absolutely. Under He's yeah. excited yeah. to use us. Um, you know, he just came up with awesome insights and had 60 million views. So like, if you give people space and tools, they're going to collaborate and come up with really cool things. Um, I, so if, if anyone wants to see what we're talking about, um, if you go to openaccess.com and you... Uh, click on the the little beta button. Like I'm looking right now, we're recording April 20th. Um, I can see um, some of the the charts that have been created today, this week, um, from from some of the beta testers. And then if you click on each one, depending on you know which one you're looking at, there's obviously you know there's I can see already comments and things like that coming in. And so someone could then you know, build off of the chart that they've uh, drilled down on and, and uh, rebut or add to or, or what have you. Um, where are we in the in the beta right now? Like if, if people were curious right now um, about signing up and, and starting to use the platform, um, are we still on a wait list or are we getting close to throwing the doors wide open? What if someone listening right now wants to really dive in? Um, what's the status? Yeah, absolutely. So we've onboarded a good chunk of the waitlist already. And we realized that as writers are using us, the readers want to click in, like start playing right away. So we're going to actually close, like reduce the friction there. And if you want to actually access the beta, you can do it sort of right away. It's like you will have to like log in and you will have to put in your email, but you'll get beta access the same day. Um, so um, yeah, you can go right now to openaccess.com and, and sign up for the beta and you'll have access the same day. Um, so yeah, we're excited about it. And, um, one thing that you kind of also alluded to before with the, with the writers is, um, 
they would tell us the biggest pet peeve they have is actually like uh, charts uh, that they can't click on. So they do research to see like a chart from Financial Times or The Economist doing the rounds. They can't click on it. It's a PNG. It would take them half an hour to actually find the sourcing. Mm-hmm. They actually love that about ours as well. Like whenever you have a chart and open access, there's always a backlink. So hopefully over time, we kind of almost have a cultural shift where people are expected to show their data and show their work um, because they're expected to have that on open access. So that's also kind of exciting. And I, you know, I'm I'm clicking on it right now, and like I I did a a tag for Fred. Fred, I can't remember what Fred stands for, but it's everyone's favorite sort of data source for what is it? Um, um, economic market yeah. participation, labor market participation. And so I, I clicked through on this, and here we go: labor force participation rate chart. Um, looks like this was put together around the State of the Union. It's March first, State uh, State of the Union, 2022. There's various projects that I can click through. So, right, again, already with the cold start sort of problem, like there's there's existing sort of uh, self-organizing um, uh, communities and data sets that are already being populated on there. Um, what is, uh, what's the size of the team right now? Like, um, obviously you've got an MVP that you're starting to to push out to the to the public. Um, but wh- where are we on the on the development? Like, obviously, it's still early days, and you're 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 narrow focusing on on politics and economics and things like that. But um, again, for people that want to start participating, um, there's still plenty more to build. So if they get involved, they can help you sort of uh, dog food and 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 expand the product, right? Yeah, absolutely. Looking for people who um, obviously have this problem that they want to deal with, but also believe in the mission, right, of improving data literacy and transparency. The team, so we have the three uh, co-founders. Um, I'm the CEO because I'm not technical. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the traveling salesman, which is what I realized being CEO is, but it's, it's fun. Um, and then we have Patrick, the, the CTO, and Andrew, the CPO, the product officer. Uh, it's like, I heard this phrase once, what was it? Uh, hacker, hipster, hustler. So <laughs> you know, we we have like the complementary skill sets, but the shared values, which I think is very important. Um, and as we've been building the products, we've hired two more engineers who are both fantastic, um, Attila and Sam. Um, and uh, we're looking now for a designer to help uh, sort of upgrade our, our chart templates. So everybody is at a beautiful level, almost as if, to like a New York Times level. Um, and then probably also somewhat for community and growth because we are realizing we're creating a community um, and mentioned the cold start problem and, and whether it's content moderation or making sure the veracity of data and charts and, and growing users, that's something we're looking for as well. Um, so yeah, in terms of team, that's, that's what we're looking at. Um, but yeah, anyone who's either a data enthusiast or wants to do research on a topic, um, hopefully open access will be a place where they can do that. Whenever I need to do financial research for this show, for instance, during tech earnings season, when I have to analyze how various companies' stocks have been performing, I only ever turn to our sponsor today, Yahoo Finance. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They are the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. 
A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insights to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. We all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on, but when it comes to your health, there is no compromise. So don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines, their family group chat, their crossword puzzles, just because they're available right now or they take your slightly sketchy insurance. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance. So literally no compromises here, because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. No more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. And these docs all have verified reviews from actual real patients. We're talking about booking appointments with tens of thousands of top-rated patient-reviewed credible doctors and specialists. I have personally used ZocDoc to find a podiatrist when I needed one for the first time ever in my life. Go to ZocDoc.com slash techmeme and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash techmeme. ZocDoc.com slash techmeme. So um, if anyone out there is a designer looking for uh, an exciting new gig, get in touch with me. I'll put you in touch with Alex or you know, go to the website and, and get in touch with them there. But also... Um, so we're talking about like going to market with with the sub stackers because you know a lot of them are solopreneurs and things like that. But also, um, what about like um, if there are any media organizations that might want to sort of test this out for their own uh, you know existing larger team operations? Um, are you are you prepared to uh, work with folks like that right now? Yeah, absolutely. We've actually already engaged with a lot of media companies. Um, there are a few use cases for that, right? Like, so if they're a little bit smaller, um, they might want to use the whole suite, like you know, research as well as chart creation and content distribution, um, so they can get more subscribers for their platform. Um, and that's the cool thing about the go-to-market is there isn't—it's not too bespoke. We don't have to actually build more features for the enterprise beyond maybe just privacy and some uh, database integrations. Um, so we are already starting to look at that type of media companies. Then there's also the bigger media companies, like the Axioses of the world, where they would they don't necessarily need our chart creator because they have multi-million dollar database teams, but they do love the idea of using us as a distribution channel for content or like as a data repo where all their charts and data sets are linked to their articles. So not only do the readers have more engagement, but they now have a way to acquire more users when people search for content on, on open access. So that's probably the natural progression, right? After writers is, is, is media companies in terms of sequencing per industry, but a lot of interest from media companies um, and again, they're like subsect writers. They, they do the marketing for us. Um, and then eventually going into the enterprise for those marketing comms teams, um, which there's already interest, but we have to make sure we sequence it properly. Well, then let's let's end this way by um, doing a, a call to action, as it were. Um, depending on 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 you know <laughs> what you you are intrigued by what open access could do for you. Um, if anybody wants to get involved with open access, uh, where should they go? How should they get started? And um, if you have, there's tens of thousands of really smart 
you know, tech folks listening right now, if you have any asks from them, uh, you know, that's what these these episodes are for as well. So tell tell us how we can get involved. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one, yeah, sign up for the beta at www.openaccess.com. It's A-X-I-S. Um, that's one way to do it. Second way, just tell us what you want to see. <laughs> you know, like what what data is interesting to you? What data is hard to find or, or you know, that's yeah, not cleaned? And how do you envision collaborating with others? That's something we're also learning about as well. Like we, you see all these discussions happening on, on social media platforms and a lot of it is kind of devoid of data. If it was filled with data, what would that look like? Um, and yeah, those are probably the two main things. Like, and what media companies would you prefer be more transparent, right? We also, second order effect is making people more accountable. So we create a culture where every time you publish something, you're expected to show that your work, that's pretty powerful. Um, but um, yeah, generally speaking, uh, try it out. Tell us what you want to see um, and um, join the cause if you're really interested in, in, in this mission that we have, um, which I think is awesome because the vision is pretty big. Like we will become the home of data. And it would take a lot of years and it's, it's like a 10 year war we're going to go for, but I think it's going to, it's going to be awesome. We'll have this cultural shift and um, have some, have some fun on the way. hundred percent. And, you know, as they say, uh, hashtag proud investor, um, <laughs> uh, right home funded, uh, loves open access and is excited, um, to right, be here right at the moment. Um, when you're, you're launching this, this vision to the world, Alex, thanks so much for, uh, coming on the show and, and talking about it. Awesome. Brian, super fun. Thanks for having me. 